our first conversation from our I Decided series. This series is dedicated to some people I know, some friends I cherish, some people I admire as I've watched their lives, and some clients I've had the privilege of being able to work with. All these people have one thing in common. They had an I Decided moment in their life, where they decided to plan a life they want to live in or create a business on purpose. Today I have the privilege of sharing a conversation with Richard Prosser. Rick started his journey as a pastry cook. Within a few years he was elevated to the area manager for bakeries for Woolworths in South East Queensland. Richard was managing 12 stores including Toowoomba, which was the largest bakery for Woolworths on a national level. Rick felt a tap on the shoulder to go to Bible College in 1997. He accepted a role as a youth pastor in a Baptist church in Charlestown, Newcastle area, where he grew and developed in leadership to eventually become the associate pastor and moved into the executive level leadership of the church, which also grew to about a thousand in their congregation. Rick worked on several community boards from 2003 to 2007, and in 2004 established Rush Mentoring, which was a ministry outreach to kids at risk in high schools. Ten years ago, in January 2011, Rick established Kingdom Works, a ministry to to community and church, and the inspiration behind the Newcastle Prayer Breakfast. Over the years, in parallel with his role in ministry, Rick has worked with many people and organisations, sharing principles in leadership and inspiring volunteers. In 2013, Rick received the Newcastle Citizen of the Year Award for services such as CityServe. CityServe is where community, church, local business and the local council begin to work together on community-based projects such as repainting surf clubs, local soccer clubs and community facilities. Combining the church and community and local business with the council has seen many benefits and many different things happen. Rick has been full-time with Soul Cafe now for many years and is their CEO. Thanks, Rick. Welcome aboard. Well, it's good to be with you, Ian. For a moment there, I thought I was in trouble. You started by calling me Richard. I'm thinking, oh, no, Mum's, I'm in trouble. <laughs> and then you moved to Richard and Rick. And uh, and you've known me of all those names. So it's good I to have. have you in the I Decided podcast. What a great initiative. Thanks so much, Rick. Yes, we've been surfing and, and playing soccer and doing lots of things together over life. And it's been fun to, to move in and out of your life for these many, many, many years. So... So, Rick, the first question I want to ask you, and uh, it's around a series of around seven questions that we'll talk through, is it when or how did this first glimpse of what community engagement would look like to you? Where, where did that conviction come? And, uh, and when did it move from just a good idea into consuming your full attention? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I think um, it probably started when I was a young kid, actually. I, I, I mean... <sighs> You know, when you help someone, <laughs> you know, just by that simple act of just helping someone do something. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, I, when I was finishing school, I, I went to Lambton High. Uh, I finished in year 10. I made that decision in year five <laughs> when uh, when I found out you could. there was two options to leave school, year 10 or year 12. So I was a young kid. I had two other brothers. As a young kid, I made that decision. And uh, But I had no idea. I was a rat bag, actually. I was in all sorts of a mess. But um, mum and dad, dad would leave notes and lists for me, <laughs> and I'd have to do things. 
uh, around the house, you know, paint fences, weed guard, all this sort of stuff, you know. So you're not going surfing through the week. That's what weekends are for. <laughs> and uh, But there was a sense of accomplishment in some of those things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and I think back then I just, I, I think I learned, you know what, it's, it, it, it's really good to do something for someone else. It mm-hmm. feels good. And then you move in a little bit more later in life and, and, and you end up helping people out. And, and there was just a great sense of energy that flowed with that, um, a sense of accomplishment. And, you know, we call it in Australia volunteerism. <laughs> you know, there's a whole bunch of energy when you do something beyond yourself for someone else. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it, so I think it probably started when I was a little kid. But um, when it really took a hold of me was um, I was in my late 20s and, I, you know, career-wise, things were going great. Um, really well, and uh, but I felt a calling to you know I'd, I'd I'd become a Christian at age eighteen, and uh, I just felt called to come back to home. We we're based in Queensland at the time. Come back home and and think you know I just felt there was always a greater purpose for me in my life. I mean, mm-hmm. bakery management was great, but I always knew it was never the future. I remember being asked an apprentice by the boss, "What do you want to do in the future?" I said, "I don't know, mate." And I looked at the old tradesman down the bakery. I said, I don't know what I want to do in the future, but I know what I don't want to do. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to be an old man in the bakery making cakes. Mm. (laughs) So I think that helped a little bit, you know, knowing Mm. what I didn't want to do. And then I went to Bible college for a year and then I was invited onto a team at at my home church. Mm. That's great. I often share with people, do you want to live the next 10 years or are you going to live the next year 10 times? And uh, it's a big challenge we've got to face ourselves with. And so, so when did you first share this idea with someone and why did you choose that person to share the idea with? Yeah, well, I, I think I just kind of, I don't know if it was just a, an epiphany. I, I, I'm not sure. I, I mean, obviously when I left work and career, that was a massive decision. Um, and, and I was in my late 20s then to leave a, 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 a job to become a student I mean, you're talking about a kid who left school in year 10, you know, and to study was, uh, it was, was a huge deal. Um, but I just, I, I felt called. I mean, I think people that live with purpose feel called into those places. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, whatever it is and whatever you're good at, if you're passionate about it, there's like a, you know, I would say as a Christian, there's like a divine nature in that. Um, and, and so as a, um, I think I was about 19, I, I felt somewhere sometime I'll, I'll do something full time that will be, you know, in what I would communicate now is what I feel called to. And so, you know, that was a gradual, um, I mean, that was 10 years later, I ended up leaving work. Uh, and then when I went into that world, well, church life and, and youth pastor and stuff, it was, well, it's about helping people. You know, yeah. so that's where it really began to start to manifest, and we did a whole bunch of different things along the way and journeys. And I, I just, it's just a lot of energy flowing when you, when you, you know, as I said, where I feel called to go beyond myself to help other people. Was there a specific pers- person that you felt really um, encouraged you and and drew that idea from you and started to give you some motivation? Ah, uh, that's a good question. I, I think it was probably a few people in my world. Um, that uh, encouraged me. I mean, to be honest, it came out of the blue. I mean, at the time when I when I resigned from my paid role, I was also looking at setting up my own bakery. 
and we had a site picked out and stuff like that. So it totally come left field. And and how that worked for me was uh, I, I just remember coming home to Sue one evening and I just said, oh, I just don't think we're going to do that anymore. And she said, why? I said, oh, I just, the passion for it's gone, gone. <laughs> so it was almost like I had to go on that little bit of a journey to discover uh, that that's not what I wanted to do. Mm. <laughs> Even yeah. though as an, uh, yeah, as an apprentice and, and most apprentices want to do their own business, I'd imagine, and, and work for themselves, it had been a long dream of mine. And I always knew I, I could make it work. But as I went into that journey and purchasing things and setting up a site and whatever, oh, well, I had a site marked out. Thankfully, I wasn't setting up and hadn't committed hugely financially. But then the dream just went overnight. And mm-hmm. um, and so from then, um, I resigned from our oh, – actually, no, we had uh, a four-week holiday set up to open the bakery later mm-hmm. that year. And yep. we came back home for a family holiday and um, I went to church that day. And then it was just then I just felt as though, oh, this is where I should be. <laughs> and then in that two-week period – just had a few conversations with parents and um, uh, the pastor at the church and uh, Sue, obviously, and um, and made the decision in two weeks while we're down here. Um, we're gonna, I'm going to go back and I'm going to resign and then we're going to start Bible College the next year. Um, yeah, so look, it was just a, 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 a something that happened relatively quick, but I think that the seed of that was planted. 10 years prior. So the passion was starting to rise in you to be to be different, to do something different. Uh, it just channeled from starting a bakery into into this new this new new idea and new direction. What what were some of the first pieces of advice people gave you as to as to the direction you were taking? Did you find it encouraging? Did you find it a little bit like, whoa, you know, challenging to you? <laughs> was there some people said, you're an idiot, what are you doing? And then other people say, yeah, go for it. What, what did you receive in that regard? Yeah, look, there was all that. Uh, there was all there. And I've got to say, I loved what I did. I, I'm a big believer, if you don't love what you do, find something to do that you love. <laughs> yeah. You know, and and I think passion flies when you enjoy what you do. And I loved what I did, actually. I went back and resigned. And at the time, you know, some some of our listeners uh, may or may not remember, Darren Biedman was a top jockey uh, in Australia and he quit quit his role as a jockey and went to Bible college. And I went back to my boss and said, oh, look, mate, this is what I'm doing. He says, you're doing a Darren Biedman on me. (laughs) Because I was regarded as, you know, one of their their top guys up there. Um, so, you know, but he never tried to talk me out of it. He he said to me at the time, I never, I still remember this actually. He said, so if I give you another 10K right now, it's not going to change your mind, is it? I said, no, mate, no, money's not the motivator. (laughs) So, but then you get some criticisms. Oh, what about this? And what about that? And, um, I think the the whole thing is at the end of the day, you've got to make the decision and you're going to live with it. So I did decide, (laughs) I decided no, this is, uh, there was a great peace upon my life and my, and my home as well with Sue. And, um, you know, we had two kids at the time, young kids. So there was a great peace. And, and so it didn't really bother me if there was critical voices come here or questions that were too difficult to deal with. Um, always knew it was a challenge. But I, I think when I decided uh, this is what I was going to do, I just... All I wanted to know was what the next step was uh, because it, I didn't – that was that was enough for me to keep going. 
I didn't know what the next one after that was and the one after that. I didn't, I didn't know. And it didn't bother me. Trying to work it all out. A lot of things for me have worked out in the journey. And so I just knew what the next thing was and I stayed on that. Uh, And and that really helped me. I I found peace and and confidence in the decision because Mm. the next thing was. And that really helped me. Yeah. That's so true. You know, some people won't move until everything's figured out. Yeah. And the most important thing is to find out what the next thing is to do. Yeah, do that well, and then there's the next thing. So, yeah, congratulations for for feeling the conviction about the point where you say, I decided, and you did. You decided to move on. With the corporate world and, and places, particularly um, large management companies like Woolworths, they're great training grounds for us to be able to uh, get get good, solid understanding of, of roles and descriptions and how to work as a team and, and how to grow and develop. And so... Then you move from this corporate world where everyone has to do what they're told and there's a, there's a paycheck involved in that. Yes. But at the same time, leadership is influence. So you've got that, you know, you've got an appointed role and you've got an influential role in business there, but now you're going to move into a voluntary mindset. So what principles did you take from the leadership mindset in a corporate world that you could still use inspirationally in a world where you were mainly working with volunteers? Yeah, that's a really good question. <laughs> I mean, um, I mean, I, I, I mean, even now I have uh, a number of staff in the different things I work with, and and uh, the, those that have got staff know that that can be problematic too. <laughs> uh, I think um, I think we found what we were passionate about, and we were able to cast that passion onto others that called them into about. Uh, I think in the, you know, coming from the, the business minded perspective and, and, and staffed up, it, there was always a healthy understanding of, um, you know, appreciation, you know, just, um, validate people's significance, no matter who they are and what they're doing. So I learned a lot. Um, I probably, I, I mean, I graphed everything. I mean, you know, I come from a world where you're measuring everything. And uh, that really helped me, actually, because what I noticed after graphing th- things over, over the first two or three years is, oh, there's repeat cycles here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I, I had 10 years of all these graphs overlapping one another. And, and so and then we could, you know, tweak and change. Like, oh, okay, well, that's just going to be the natural cycle. If we do something different there, we can change the trend. You know, so I learned a lot of different things that were still very applicable. In fact, I think they set me up. Uh, what I learned for what I'm doing now, learned to make a problem solve. I learned to make decisions on the run, weigh up mm-hmm. scenarios. Uh, you know, one a, a, a boss that I worked with was he was brilliant, and uh, he said, "In decision making, if you've got time, use it." <laughs> you know, inevitably you've got short time frames. He says uh, you'll probably come up with three or four scenarios, and the first one that you settle on will probably be the one. But don't execute it if you've got more time. You know, yeah. so all those little things really help to build into the scenario. And uh, but I think we led with passion. I, mm-hmm. I think that that's what really caused. I mean, we had um, you know volunteer team leaders for you know up to ten years. You know, so we were able to try to create um, family, try to create a sense of belonging. And I think, um, you know, in the workplace, whatever our sphere is that we're specialising in, you know, if people can feel like they're belonging and contributing and there's a sense of good relationship and well-being, then there's just going to be an ease. It doesn't mean there won't be problems, uh, but you've got people all on the same team 
going along the same journey and, and you know, if there's flow and motion, you can sort things out on the run as well. Yeah, there's an old proverb that says, without vision, people cast off restraint. And But <laughs> twist that around and you give people vision, you create engagement. And that's, you know, what I, what I want to talk about now. Some of the community engagement projects that you've been in, what they've meant to you and where you've seen difference and how do you excite people into those so that they they want engagement i share with a lot of my clients that if we get engagement it comes through encouragement you know but but what have you seen what have you used how do you inspire people to be able to see great results yeah that's a great question and uh, i think that's one of the great challenges for leadership inspiring team um i think Primarily, the, the common theme has, uh, in, in my world, whatever it be, mentoring kids at risk or uh, doing projects in community or at soul, um, you know, we've, we've lent into what, what, where the need is. And so there's been a very obvious need. Um, and I think people, I, I, I just believe every person <laughs> created on, on the earth has a deep sense within them to help other people. I think that flows out of us. There's a great sense of life in that. And we can do that all in different ways with our different capacities. So I, I think that's how I inspired people. I just identified very clearly what the need was and rallied people to it. We can do this. <laughs> we can make a difference. You know, we can we can help that young person. You know, we can help that person vulnerable living on the street. We just just by our action, we can help. And then being a little bit more inclusive, because obviously in our teams, we, not everyone's at the coalface. You know, you might have somebody down working on the computer doing administration and spreadsheets and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, you might have someone in the kitchen, but trying to ensure that everyone feels as though they're actually contributing to the story. Uh, And so stories have been a a great proponent of um, stirring up energy in the team you know, tell a story of a success story you know we've got plenty of non-success stories but you know when when, when a guest uh, you know at our soul cafe for example when a guest comes in and they're helped uh, and their life trajectory begins to shift it's a great success and will we share those stories with the team and then validate somebody who's in the office you've helped create that without your role and what you've done we would not have been able to help that person so you can do that in whatever um, sphere that you're leading because the success stories everywhere. It just looks different. In what- so currently with Sol, just, um, just to divert, just a fraction there, what, what are the areas now where Sol is directly impacting the community of Newcastle? Yeah, well, we, we um, work for our listeners. We Sol Cafe is a um, grassroots non-government funded charity at the top of um, Newcastle City and town and uh, so we work with vulnerable marginalised people whether that be with drug addiction, mental health challenges, loneliness, homelessness uh, and all everything in between. Um, so we revolves around a meal and that's where the conversation engagement starts um, but then we would call we would say it's more than a meal it's a convergence of help and so there's a whole bunch of recovery program, everything from doctors, clinic, mental health, nurse, chiropractors, hearing specialists, foot specialists, the whole deal, laundry services, Centrelink come in, legal services. So, uh, so help comes in. And, uh, but it's at the conversation that we discover the story and we're able to help. And I think that um, what we've learned is to listen. Um, I think it's, it's a key. I mean, a lot of people got a lot of opinions, uh, but in the in the 
if, if I was to say the customer service world, which we're in, <laughs> our guests are our customers, we want to listen to what their need is. We know that they, we're going to meet a need just by mm. them coming in. We're going to give them a great meal. Uh, but then the conversation, and for some of our guests, this will be the only conversation I'll have all week. Um, so to hear and listen, you know, then we're saying, oh, we're in a very, we're in a very privileged position right here and now because somebody's becoming vulnerable and sharing their story. So then we're listening and think, oh, what else could we do? Oh, oh, you know what I mean? So then we're just trying to knit, create the net and, and, and put it together to help them a little bit further. And so we've been very fortunate. Well, I think we've just done some very simple things well, really well. We've created great culture uh, in our volunteer team. There's about 180 volunteers. And, and we've worked on the very basic things well. And, um, you know, now we're in a position, a place where we help other charities out as well. You know, so gifts and donations might come in at Christmas, for example, hampers. And, you know, so we would make sure we would steward them around to other charities that may not have the profile that we've got. Um, but have the need because they're working with vulnerable people as well. So yeah, look, it, it, it just keeps working off that whole principle: go beyond yourself. Don't 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 hoard and hold, but be yes. generous with what we have. Well, coordinate, collaborate, and connect, so yeah. that you can uh, make a much bigger difference than you can just do by yourself. So, in all the challenge, particularly around soul, and was it? What do you think would be maybe not the greatest challenge, but one of your major challenges that you had to overcome? And why are you glad this challenge didn't stop you and you've pushed through to see what you can see today? Yeah, good question. And I think the reality is the harsh reality. I mean, we, we hear the highlight reel, but um, yes, in, in, in the editing room. <laughs> the, the Facebook photos. <laughs> in the editing room, there's a lot of footage. Uh, look, I mean, uh, I, I'm not sure what the hardest it might be. I, I mean, whether it be some relationship. What's a significant challenge that you've had? Yeah, look, I, I, maybe some relational challenges can be significant. Financial challenges were very burdensome at, at times where, you know, I lost sleep, you know, hardly slept, just with the financial burden that, I never shared with the whole team because I didn't want to burden them with it. Uh, you know, I think that's really important that with your team, you know, there's there's levels and and of leadership, and uh, you know, we don't want to we want to burden people that don't have a capacity. That's what leadership is: carrying a capacity that others don't have and and mm -hmm. may not ever have. And so we were very, um, very, very well. We I, I feel we were, we were as wise as we could not to exert the pressures that I lived with upon the people, um, and 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 just had a sense that well, now if we keep doing what we're doing, there was just I think what pulled me out of it and pulled me through it is we just had a conviction we're making a difference actually, and and I I just I I, I just had this deep sense within me that. Giving up wasn't an option, actually. <laughs> that was never an option for me, giving up, because uh, I'd decided, I'd made a decision, this is what we're going to do. You, you know what I mean? So it wasn't a, a, a flippant discussion. Actually, somebody said to me prior to making a decision of taking on that work, don't go there, Rick. That's going to be painful. It's going to be blah. But it, it, whilst there was truth in what he said, and I valued his comment, I think it helped prepare me, going, no, this won't be easy. And, and if I think this is going to be easy, then I'm, I'm living in some delusional world. Um, and, and so I think there was, when I, when I had decided, <laughs> this is it, this is, we're going to take this on and, and, and we're volunteering in this as well, uh, and carrying the burden of it. Um, I just had a real deep conviction that one, I was doing the right thing. Two, the motive was pure and right. 
and three will make a difference. We would just share the stories a little bit more and work well and create great culture. Things will just flow from that. Um, but the financial pressure and, and, and many of our listeners would know what that's like. It's, it's, it's burdensome. <laughs> it's crazy. Look, you're right. When you carry the load as a leader, one must be careful not to seek too many opinions because an opinion is just a survey of one. And uh, we need that to be a little bit more careful in our life. But also we need to, at some stage, just reach out to some trusted third parties that we have in our life so that we don't burn out and we don't uh, feel lonely. Uh, they say it is lonely at the top, but it's only lonely at the top if we choose that direction. So, absolutely, absolutely. We had a, we, we, and still have a, a, a great board in place. And so there was a small circle, exactly how it was. And mm. um, yeah, I think that's very important that uh, it can be lonely at the top, uh, but you can still journey with people uh, intimately with this knowledge and go mm. forward. And it's really important, actually. Yeah, it's it's so important. So. So, Rick, where are you up to now? What's the next challenge you're facing down? Where, what, what's the sense of accomplishment you feel that sets you up from past now, ready to prepare you for future? And uh, what are you still looking forward to? What's, what's burning inside you? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, look, I'm, uh, I've just turned uh, 52. And so is that, um, I think when, when I was leading into my 50th, I just felt, you know, perhaps the next decade can be my most fruitful. And so I've just um, focused as best I can on building my capacities and the, and, and the things that I lead so that I'm not too operational that frees me up to do other things. That's been my focus. I just feel that um, in, in, in the different hats that I wear and some of those hats go up and around the Hunter region, there's some national stuff and whatever. You know, I just feel that the, the uniqueness upon my life, which is different to everyone else, is, is to build into the fabric of community. And that's working with whether that be government, whether that be not-for-profits, whether that be church leaders, whatever that is, so that our towns and our cities can flourish. And so I will always lean towards the marginalised, defending the weak and speaking up for them and doing what we can there. But I know if I'm the only one doing that, then there's a limitation on me. And so uh, I feel the next um, few years as I continue down that journey of empowering people, building capacity so that we can empower the right people, that they can mobilise people so that I can do more things. So it's a multiplication thought. Um, and that's where I'm leading to. I, I had somebody ask me recently, what, what age do you want to retire? And I went, what are you talking about, mate? <laughs> I love what I do. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's that old saying, um, you know, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. But there's no doubt it's hard work. I mean, I, I, I work long hours and, and most days of the week. Uh, but I do love it. So I just feel that the next phase is really about multiplying it, I, I feel there's there's so many other good things to be done. And I'm probably more community orientated in that expression. And so we have service land and what the government's funding and those things. We would describe our work at Seoul as 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 a, a charity that catches people that fall through the cracks. And so government, uh, they'll do what they can, but there'll always be cracks emerge. And there's many. And so I'm really always looking and trying to learn from, you know, we've got friends in America and England, what's happening in cities over there and different parts of Australia to, to, to look at what might be community responses to some community needs as well. Uh, I think if we can empower community to respond, 
tangibly, then uh, we're going to end up with better communities. And um, I'm not one to throw rocks at the government. They do what they do and what they can do. And um, and there's a whole bunch of services and provisions uh, that flow from that. But there's still demands a community response. <laughs> it's not someone else's job. It's our job. If we want healthy communities, we've all got to take a part in, 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 in that picture. Look, our politicians are ser- servants of the community and so are we. We carry that same responsibility voluntarily or elected. Yeah. So we can, a mantra that was given to me when I first started business was make a living and make a difference. You're certainly doing that in, in everything that you've turned your hand to and, and what's uh, lined up for you in the future. Rick, one day your life is going to be reduced to a sentence, maybe a paragraph. <laughs> what would you like it to say? Oh, gee, I haven't thought about that. Yeah, what would I want my life to say? Oh, I don't know. It depends who's reading it. He had a good, <laughs> he had a good crack. <laughs> <laughs> he, he he played well. He gave it his best. Um, yeah, look, I'd, I, I look, I ultimately, I'd love to uh, have the applaud of heaven. Uh, he, he did everything with what he had. That's a great line. He did everything with what he had, and you've certainly lived that, and you've certainly lived by example. Uh, there'd be many out there who have caught, maybe not taught what you've learned, but they've definitely caught it. They've watched you and, and your life has uh, lived a lesson. So I want to thank you. I want to thank you for what you do to, for our community here in Newcastle, just the way you've lived your life. So if people want to know more about Soul Cafe, how can they do that? Yeah, look, we've got um, social media streams at soulcafe.org.au, our website. Is a good place to find. So thank you, mate, for uh, this podcast, uh, but also your input into my life as a young fellow. I think you, I think we met when I was a rat bag 18 year old. <laughs> yes. Not, not, not too much rat bag, but we had a lot of fun together. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate uh, the, the input and uh, contribution that you and Ben Donner have contributed into our lives, both my, my life and my wife, Sue, as well. Yeah, yes. Thank you, mate. Awesome. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Well, thanks, Rick. Thanks for everything you've shared today. I'm sure it will inspire others. It's been a great, great opportunity to catch up. Good on you. Thank you, mate. been great being with you. And uh, to our listeners, God bless you all.